Hey everybody, and we're back with the Just Podcast, this is episode 111, uh, and this is a special episode today because we're actually having, on this episode, my therapist, <laughs> right? <laughs> but besides being my therapist, she's a very exceptional therapist that has helped out so many people, um, so we welcome today Marta Gonzalez Michaelis. Thank you for joining us today. No, thank you for having me. It's an honor. And this is episode 111, and uh, there's so much to talk about just just in about mental health in general. Um, so, can we talk a little bit about the stigma that specifically in, in Latinx culture, um, there's a stigma uh, about talking about your mental health, about your depression. Um, and I kind of want to talk to you just about like how you confront that whenever you talk to someone that's from the Latinx culture and uh and they've never to- they never spoken to anybody about their mental health or about their mental illness depression anxiety ptsd everything um is there a way to kind of like initiate that conversation with someone that's never really spoken to anybody about that because um, i know that whenever i spoke to you that was the first time i ever spoke to anybody about my mental health and in a way it's kind of like uh a privilege to be able to 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 be able to pay someone to be able to help them with their mental health. How do you approach that that uh, uh, first initial like contact with someone that that wants to talk about their mental health? Well, to understand first, within our culture, there's a lot of stigmas and taboos. It's related because mental health is related of having a diagnosis that usually has no not a good image or does not portray something positive and um, so getting over that so when we want help the majority of the population that wants help it's because they're struggling with an issue or some minor symptoms or a little bit higher symptoms but it's not a big a diagnosis, let's say it like that. Uh, so normalizing that, whatever you're coming from, whatever, wherever you're coming from, it's normal, it's okay. You know, learning how to deal with our feelings or different situations of our thoughts or symptoms of anxiety, depression, or PTSD, that addressing all that is very important. So it's kind of normalizing. It is thing it is okay to be here and once you start experiencing what therapy is you figure out you know what it is okay to be here and it is okay to tell people that I struggle with this or that mm-hmm. so that's the best way um, to deal with it it's we need to get rid of that idea that if you're going to a therapist or you're going to a psychiatrist or a psychologist that that means you are you have a big diagnosis Mm. diagnosis okay let's go a little back marta just about like i think it's important for people to know you to understand you and know where you're coming from um where were you born well i was born in colombia okay Cali, Colombia, that's where I've lived most of my life. Mm. And I came to the U.S. in in the middle of my college experience. I was doing, I was 
in college in Columbia studying for psychology. Mm -hmm. And then I came here as an exchange program for just six months. Mm -hmm. And then I met my husband and I'm here. <laughs> mm, stayed forever. <laughs> yes, I stayed forever. So so you come from Colombia. Um, was there a specific reason why you wanted to pursue psychology? Well, I think I have a pretty n normal story about psychology. You know, you when you're interested in in the mental health or in the in the health profession is the main reason is always I want to help people, you know, and that was my motivation, my initial motivation. But as you start going into the career, you discover that it's that is a significant part. But there's also you do, you start developing a passion for it. For me, mm. understanding human behavior, how people mm. think, how the world, how each person has their world, and and how they live it, how they understand it. And for me, it's fascinating. So mm. for me, every single person that comes, that I talk to, it's just this curiosity of who, who are you? Why are you here? You know, obviously I love to help people. I, I love to hear the, the positive stories. Um, but sometimes I don't even know. You yeah. know sometimes I don't even know the end result. But it's, I have a passion for mm. a, the mental health world and things mm. like that. So first of all, I want to say that I give you permission to talk about everything that we've talked about in regards <laughs> to like my mental health because I know we've had several therapy sessions. Um, one of the things that I do want to talk about though is one of the things that I, I, I do talk to several people about which I find funny and interesting was that one time we talked about how I personally... Um, have difficulty when whenever someone like is asking something of me and I don't and I don't like I'm not able to have time to respond to them right away but then they they come back to me and say like why didn't you respond to me why didn't you like I guess you're not a good person because you don't respond to me within like a certain amount of time and one of the things that I find interesting is that you gave me some advice about that like how to deal with with folks that like want something of me but I can't respond to them within a certain amount of time and literally right after I left your office someone in that same building came up to me and, and approached me about something about a person who I hadn't reached who I hadn't responded to within a certain amount of time <laughs> and I was able to use the tools that you kind of gave me uh, literally in that same therapy session like right after I, I exited your door Wow, <laughs> that's fantastic. And it was it was one of those things where I'm like, oh my God, like how did this happen like so fast? Because I, I had just gone through that therapy session with you and talked about like, you know, my, my feeling of guilt for not being able to respond to people uh, with whatever concerns they might have within the time that they expect me to. And, and how to like approach them and, 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 and tell them that like, you know, we all, as humans, have so much going on, and it's kind of hard to make other people's priorities our priorities. Mm -hmm. Well, you know? it's not hard. It's very common, unfortunately. So working a lot with a lot of people, I think it's, 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 there's a cultural component, there's a society component about boundaries. Sometimes it's really hard um, to say no. Yeah. Um, 
speaking specifically about the Latinx culture, um, we are raised to to service others or to mm -hmm. be nice to others. What we I always make emphasis in this when I'm talking to individuals that have some relationship with the Latin culture is the concept of education. It's very different. So for the Latin community, being educated means that you're well-mannered, that you're respectful, mm -hmm. that you're, ser you, you're yeah. servicing other people. Mm -hmm. It does not have anything to do with a your level of education, your yeah. academic education. Uh, so someone that maybe has a two, three years of level of education could be very educated mm -hmm. in our culture because it's a polite person, it's very servicial, um, it just provides a lot of services and things like that. So as a culture, it's really hard for us to put set boundaries yeah. because we have to be polite before anything else. So learning a few skills to say no or to adjust that. And I would never encourage any of us to be rude because that would be really going against our culture. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's how do we find that balance of being polite and nice, educated, but still have that boundary. It's yeah. hard. I just find it so funny because literally we we're talking about that about in our therapy session, and then I mean I'm, I'm gonna talk about open I'm gonna talk about it openly like I I literally exited your door, <laughs> and this person came up to me and said, "Hey, this person like was is really mad at you because you didn't like allow them to translate at one of the events that you organized." And I'm like, "We were good, you know, we had enough translators. Like we didn't need anybody else, but." It was able to, I was able to kind of like use those tools that you gave me to kind of tell her like, you know, this is a situation, like there was nothing I could do, it was out of my control. And I think she understood like it was out of my control. But if, if I had not spoken to you about that, I would feel so guilty. Because a lot of the times people in the community, they, you know, they have their, their priorities, they have their needs. And ultimately, that's that's what's most important to them. And if someone can help them out with it at the time that they want them to help them out with it, then it's like, oh, that person obviously doesn't care enough about my needs. But they, a lot of times they don't take in mind that, like, I mean, I have my own needs, have my own family, mm -hmm. have my own priorities. Um, I work in 8 to 5, and this is, like, out of my 8 to 5. Like, I'm just doing this mm -hmm. because of... Um, I think it's it's good to help out people, but a lot of the times people are just kind of like, oh, you didn't help me? Then you must not be a good person, you know? And for people like me, like, I feel such a guilt, like, when people tell me that, even though I might say, like, oh, I don't care what people think, you know, like, that's kind of <laughs> like a front that yeah. we might have. I do care about what people think. Of course, I, I, and I think in general, people are nice and people care about what other people and that's that's a big thing too within that boundary setting it's learning that this we do this mind reading we assume whatever the other person is thinking feeling being you know everything and um, we really don't know mm. 
you know, I, I just interpret whatever you're saying and I usually interpret it from my own yeah. map. So that that's when it gets messy. Mm. So the goal, because see, the person that is in therapy is the one that we're working with. So the goal is identifying those guilts, where they're coming from, how, how do they get built so we can work with it and understand that, you know what, I'm responsible for my feelings and the other person is responsible for their feelings and their behaviors. Mm-hmm. And in being okay of saying, you know, I, I can do this much and, and it's okay for you to be upset about it or it's okay for you to feel uncomfortable and see what happens. Also, also it's dealing with the uncertainty of, I don't know how you're going to react. Mm-hmm. So that creates a little bit of anxiety and worry. It's so tough. Exactly. How are you going to react? But learning to say, you know what, I can, I'm going to accept however you're going to react and whenever you react, we'll deal with that. Mm-hmm. Not start, that's what we do. We think over and over, is this person going to do this? Is this person mm-hmm. thinking this? And we create, I call them movies. You know, we are, our brain is really good at creating movies. So we um, start thinking, oh, they're thinking this, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. Mm-hmm. And we are movie production. And then we start living in that world. So how do you, I mean, obviously I feel like you probably have a lot of Latinx people that, mm-hmm. you know, that are maybe having like therapy for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a difference in like how you approach Latinx people uh, compared to like Caucasians or other other people, you know, like is there a difference of because I look I've heard about therapy for a long time, right? Okay. People have been telling me like therapy's good You should always do therapy and for me I, I would I could never see myself doing therapy with a white person that doesn't understand like the cultural differences and and how things impact me and and uh so whenever whenever my wife Myra told me like oh, I'm going doing therapy with Marta, and she understands like the cultural uh, issues and, and and how to approach things, I felt comfortable. But is there a difference of how you approach people of different ethnicities, uh, just in general? Like when you when you're trying to initiate that conversation with folks, like do you do you think of a of a way to approach people differently? Okay, so naturally. Obviously, I ha- I'm going to have an easier way to relate with Latinx because it's my world. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so, so obviously I feel very, very comfortable whenever it is a, a person from Latin descent. It, just the jokes, the, the way I relate, uh, either yeah. the formalities and informalities, I know them. So it, it, it becomes very, very natural. Do you, do, like, you say it comes natural, but at that time when it comes natural, do you personally, like, feel the importance of what it, what it might mean to your clients of, like, having someone that understands them culturally? Because I know, I know that you might relate to them, right? But, like, are you able to feel that importance that they feel of having someone that actually understands them culturally? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think I think just to start with, I think the first thing is 
as soon as they hear that I do speak Spanish and it is a native speaking, it doesn't have a, a, a accent of someone from the US, it, you know, an American, a, a Caucasian, sorry. A, I think that gives them just that, that relief that, okay, I can't relate to her or she can't relate to me. And, um, and I, you know what, on occasions I consciously, if I'm seeing that the person is a little bit defensive, I consciously bring cultural things mm -hmm. up. Like, oh, you know, in, in our culture, this is how things fit compared to this. So I bring things that they can recognize that I, I, I know the difference or I know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about, that I can relate to that. So, um, I find that that's the best way mm. to, and, and, you know, the whole thing is I need to tell, the, let them know, not tell them, to let them know that I understand your world. I understand what's going on with you, and I don't judge you for whatever is going on with you, and... Um, I'm on your side and that whenever you are with me it's a safe space it's a safe space mm -hmm. it's a comfortable space and I just think that there's such an importance of like um, doing therapy with someone that culturally understands you you know I have I have people in my family who have gone to therapy and they didn't specifically start with the Latinx therapist and I and they tell me about their experiences of how disconnected the therapist has been with them in regards to like understanding uh, like um, I guess relationships just with their parents in general you know like I feel like <laughs> like the relationship between a, a a child or kid of a immigrant uh, parent is such a very like um, I don't want to say it's I guess it's kind of like a very Unless you've lived it, or unless you understand, you know, like for example, let's just let's just do for example, like the fact that our our community is not very responsive in regards to like having a mental illness, you know, mm -hmm. having depression, having anxiety. You'll hear a lot of a lot of times people will be like, specifically their parents will be like, well, you just gotta push through it. Like <coughs> you'll be all right. It's just, you know, just work hard. <laughs> like just, you know, just just. Just take a shot of, of, of like tequila or something. <laughs> and just, you know, just uh, yeah. have, you'll get over it. Mm. And that's such a toxic way of of confronting a lot of the times, you know, like issues that our people in our community have. You know, like depression is real, PTSD is real, anxiety is real, and it cannot be cured by alcohol. It cannot be cured by just pushing forward. Like sometimes you need medication. Absolutely. Sometimes you need therapy. Absolutely. Sometimes you need to uh, speak to other people that are going through the same thing to understand that uh, your depression, your anxiety, your PTSD is normal. Mm -hmm. And you need to um, have access to the tools like therapy, like medication, to be able to properly uh, control 
you know, these different mental illnesses. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, one of the one of the things that I've kind of just personally have experienced is that I was the first person in my family to kind of, you know, educate them on on these different issues. Uh, now, you know, I have a family member, immediate family member that has like depression, suicidal thoughts, and it's become more of a priority in our family. But initially, whenever I brought it up to my family, it was kind of like, eh, like depression, like you should be able to, to get past that. Like it's not a big deal. Like I feel depressed sometimes, but it's one of those things where like there's a difference between actually being depressed and like just being upset or in a funk. Uh, exactly. Which is one of the things that I bring up all the time because, like, back in, like, when I was in high school, I was in a funk. Like, I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to be around people. But I wasn't depressed. You know, now, like, depression, which my wife talks about all the time because she has depression, uh, it does not come close to the funk that I was in mm -hmm. because I got over it. And nowadays, like, I, I, suffer, I live with anxiety. But I'm not depressed. Exactly. It, there's, it's different. Can you talk about the difference between, like, being in a, uh, in a funk or being in, like, a, being upset compared to what depression actually is? It's looking at from, it's, it's, it's a spectrum. So there's no, this is it black and this is white and there's two separate things so think about it as a spectrum okay so in the there's in the lower part of the spectrum let's say it like that it's you know i feel sad and, and probably it's because something triggered that sadness or i'm thinking in certain ways that make me feel sad and, but it's a feeling that I have temporarily mm. and I come out of it mm. either different tools or circumstances help me deal manage that sadness let's yeah. say it like that going like that then it just starts going up when stress hits and let's say we have multiple stressors or circumstances of life or situations that trigger more sadness and it just it gets a little bit heavier the feeling of sadness yeah. so so if you think about if you listen you hear what i'm saying i'm talking a lot about sadness okay but then when it's depression and then we have clinical depression the clinical depression has also a physical symptoms you know there is and it's sadness is not the only thing it's darkness it becomes very, very dark. Our thoughts become very, very negative. Physically, we start having symptoms like lack of energy. It is mm -hmm. a... That's part of it. It's just you, you have so little energy that you have to really manage it. And I think that is the hardest thing for people to understand when they see someone depressed. They're just looking at them as they're lazy. Yeah. You know, you can get up and do this. You can get, but, and it's just, their body has no energy. Mm -hmm. 
You know, it's it's like a big, big effort to get and do one thing. And unfortunately, a lot of the time, those people are like our family members. Of course, of course. And then get up, dude! Like, exactly. come on! Like, depressed? I freaking crossed the border and I came over here, <laughs> and like I went through this and this and this, and you can't go to work. Like, you can't function. Come on. Exactly. But it's a physical it's because it's physical. So I always try to explain it this way: if you have a burn, you get a big, big horrible burn does that make sense you can see it people can see it and people can go oh my god that's horrible and they feel for you and they mm -hmm. help you oh you're born burn, burn don't sit here do this do that you know because it's physical and people can see it yeah. the problem with mental illness is that people cannot see yeah so when people are depressed they feel emotional pain so it, it's not physical pain it's emotional pain but it's pain mm-hmm so because people can't see the pain they can't relate they're like mm -hmm. just get up just do this <laughs> just get over yeah. it just and so that's why medication is helpful mm -hmm. because it does help a lot so it affects our sleep people either sleep too much or don't sleep at all yeah. it affects our appetite people eat too much or don't eat at all you know it could go there a lot of negative thoughts so it is hard to that's the other thing what people do is well see the the positive stuff be positive uh, think positive but what happens what's happening in our brain yeah. is that our brain is really focused on the negative part so it is hard for people to figure out something positive of the circumstance so their brain hyper focus on the bad that is happening mm -hmm. that's that's part of the illness mm -hmm. um, obviously feelings of sadness or feelings of emptiness hopelessness mm -hmm. um, hopelessness is a big one it is very dangerous because once you're not you don't see hope imagine you're not seeing hope and you're in emotional pain and have no energy. Mm. So if if people could understand that that is what's happening mm. with a depressed person, we would be a little bit more compassionate. Yeah. But it it takes a lot of talking and explanation and education for people to be able to say, "Oh, this is what's happening with this person." And even even us that like are well aware there is mental illnesses and that, that like has the same effect as like a physical um pain you know um i know for example myra you know she um uh, went through a whole episode with with uh where she had uh like gallstone issues mm -hmm. and when we went to the doctor um, the doctor was like the reason why you can't breathe, why you're having difficulty breathing, is anxiety. Like, it's anxiety. And Myra was like, how? <laughs> this feels physical. <laughs> this feels like I literally can't breathe. There has to be something wrong with my lungs. Yep. There has to be something wrong with my heart. Um, like, this is not, like, a, a mental thing. It's yeah. not. And... And me and Myra were very adamant about that. We were like, no, this cannot be just her, <laughs> her, her mental health. Like, this has to be something else. Like, and we were wanting to, like, get her heart checked to see if, like, if there was something wrong with her heart. 
but ultimately we realized that it was anxiety mm-hmm. you know yeah. like you know I, I always I always tell myself that I'm I'm a I'm a very anxious person um, a lot of the times in just in life in general like I get very anxious when uh, like for example when I'm like at a at a line waiting at like Walmart when I'm at the actual checkout line and a lot of people end up like getting behind us to get in line I get very anxious I get kind of like hives on my back and um, but still that does not compare to like the anxiety that I felt recently where you know my chest hurts Mm -hmm. I feel like I can't breathe Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel like something bad's gonna happen Mm -hmm. and I've never felt that before yep this isn't this is new like in the past two months this is new to me where I've, I've been feeling that um, and I just find it crazy where you know a lot of people haven't experienced that kind of anxiety so when you try to explain to people that haven't experienced anything like that it's like you'll get over it like you'll be okay it's just anxiousness but anxiousness and anxiety it's also a whole different thing exactly and again it's that same it's a it's a spectrum but it it goes from the worry to the anxiety or the stress to the anxiety and one of the things and i think that is this is a good point for cultural differences um our culture we have trouble connecting mind and body so when we understand that our mind and our body is connected, then we can start seeing that anxiety, you know, seeing how it impacts our work. And anxiety is a big one that impacts our body because you might be sitting just here doing your job or whatever you're doing and then suddenly your heart starts beating, you have difficulty breathing Mm. and all that stuff. That is anxiety. Well, of course, obviously, sometimes there's heart, there's physical problems, and that's the first thing we need to check. Yeah. You know, we don't need heart problems or, you know, some physical illnesses happening. We do need to check that first. But anxiety has become very common, very common, because we're worried all the time. Our Mm. brain is in worry mode all the time. So. But our brain is not saying, you're worried, you're worried, let's think about this, let's think about... Your brain is starting to show that in your body. Mm. Okay? So learning that our mind and our body are very connected is important. Mm -hmm. Because we can take care of the physical symptoms and then that gives our brain a little relief to be able to think, oh... Am I over worrying too much? Do I need to think too much about this? Can I be back in my present? Because what anxiety is, is you're thinking about scenarios. You think about worst case scenarios. You're thinking about a catastrophic endings. You're thinking a, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen. But if you come back to your present, probably you can handle the situation. When you say, well, th- I'm making that possibility up, what's really happening is yeah. this, that helps with anxiety. So 
learning to be connected to your body to tell you your body could be telling you hey you have a, you're overthinking over there even though you're not noticing you're overthinking mm -hmm. so i'm acting out down here okay mm -hmm. and also once you recognize that if you work first on calming your body then the message to the brain is saying hey you know what down here we're okay yeah and you can take charge of whatever is going up there and and go from there mm. so just in generally you know the people that are listening right now who might not have ever gone to any kind of therapy session or have ever approached a therapist why do you think it's important to to do therapy what are the benefits I know that's that's a loaded question. But, I know, <laughs> but but there are there are what people. Can I say <laughs> there are people out there that are that are you know questioning that as to why why okay. they should. So therapy is a resource, and I've learned that it's not the solution to everything. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I it's 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 a resource, and it's a big resource that people have available. Yeah, um, it is a resource when we are having physical symptoms. It's a resource when we are in situations where we don't know what to do. It's just a third party and bias that it's just, it's kind of holding your hand and telling you, hey, why don't you think about this? Or why don't you think about that? That's mm -hmm. when it's just those regular stressors that we don't know what to do. It's a resource. So when people are have anxiety or depression it's a combination of therapy and medication. It's perfect. Yeah. You know, those are two resources you can use. There's many, there's many, many resources that we use. It's not only therapy, but therapy is a science. Psychology is a science. There's evidence, there's studies that have, and there's techniques that people can use mm -hmm. uh, to do that. So. You know, it's like if you have a resource of being able, I don't know, I'm, I'm going blank here. So, for example, um, you have limit, a limited budget, but you have a resource of a pantry. You use it. Does that make sense? You go yeah. try it, use it. So if, if you see therapy as that, it's because because it has this stigma that it either immediately you feel better, mm. uh, that it's magical, or that if I use that resource, that means I am not well, I'm, you know, there's a lot of negative connotations yeah. with that word. So it's just some, you'll go get some tools that will help you through situations. And if you have anxiety and you have depression it will help you with that if you have gone through trauma with trauma we it helps you process yeah. what happened so you can put it where it belongs in your brain because what happens with trauma we are the trauma is there it's just constantly manifesting itself through different things in your mm. body, in your life, in your thinking, in your feelings. It's constantly manifesting there. So with trauma work, you work to put the trauma where it belongs, mm. which is whenever that happened, and process what happened then. 
and be able to open your space in your presence so you can have a better life, a happier life, and things like that. So it is a resource, and I just encourage people to use it. Yeah. I think personally for me, um, you know, I never really dealt with depression. Uh, it wasn't until recently when I have anxiety, you know, really bad anxiety, but to the point where, like, I have to take, I have to drink, like, chamomile tea. Uh-huh. To bring me back to, like, <laughs> breathing regularly and being able to sleep. But as someone who has never really dealt with depression, you know, just my experience of, like, going in a therapy session with you, it helps. Because for me, I was like, ooh, someone's actually, like, listening to me, to what I have to say. You know, I have a lot of trauma, but I just never really felt like I needed to confront it. Mm-hmm. But... I didn't understand how, like, confronting it would actually be a good thing mm-hmm. compared to um, just keeping keeping the trauma there and not really confronting it and just, like, living with, living as someone who has gone through trauma and, like, closeting it in a way mm-hmm. where I don't, like, bring it up to, to myself as a priority and confront it and learn how to deal with it. You know, like one of the things which, like I said, I give you permission to talk about all this that we've <laughs> talked about, Marta. You know, talking about my father. You know, passed away when I was when I was 17, and it's always been in the back of my mind, in my heart, and I don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and my wife Maya will tell me she'll be like. We need to talk about this. You need to talk to a therapist about this because I, I feel like you're holding on to so much trauma, so much hurt, and ultimately that's affecting you, you know? And I don't know if it's like a machismo thing mm-hmm. where I've just kind of been like, ah, I'll be okay. I don't got to confront it. I don't got to talk to a therapist about it. I don't got to pay someone to listen to me, <laughs> to my issues, you know? Um but I know that the conversations that I have that I've had with you you know and everybody needs to be paid you're a professional you went to school for this and you need you deserve to be paid for the work that you do and uh, as a as a as a uh, patient slash client like the fact that you're able to talk to somebody about your experiences your hardships your pain your hurt like it does have some sort of positive influence on like how I live after I speak to you. You know, like how I live my day to day and and just knowing that someone actually listened to what I had to say and gave me some sort of like positive feedback on how I can move forward, it goes a long way. Well, I'm glad. And I want to clarify two things. Trauma <clears throat> If we talk about, oh, you need to go to therapy to confront your trauma, it's like saying, don't go to therapy (laughs) because Mm. it's a scary, imagine it's something you're holding that you know it's already painful and then someone's saying, you know what, you're going to go and you're going to have it in your face all the time. Mm. No, no, why, why would I go, you know? So the reality is, just to explain the process, the process is first we create a solid present and skills or managing you know yeah skills to 
feel a little bit more secure and safe. And then with those tools in mind, and then you go and confront the trauma. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, you know what? You go to therapy to deal with trauma and they throw you in the pool and you have to face this and yeah. and you'll get over it. No, no. You do have to build skills and process your present and get stronger. So I always use the image of um, a raft. Does that make sense? When people are going through trauma, it's like they are floating with a little piece of wood that you can't sink in any moment, okay? So the first step in therapy is basically we're gonna build a raft. We build skills so we go collect different pieces of wood so you can sit in that raft and mm. you know be more comfortable. Once your raft is, you feel comfortable there, then there are going to be moments that you're going to choose and say, okay, you know what, I'm going to go dive in a little bit, knowing that I have this raft, that I go down, look at that, and then I know I can go up and calm down and have my present be there. Does that yeah. make sense? Mm -hmm. So, because it's important to take away this stigma that it's just this, you know, they're gonna throw you under the bus with trauma. And then we have grief, you know, which comes hand in hand with trauma. And and that's also the work with grief is normalizing grief. You know, it's a process. We all have to, we grieve all the time. Yeah. Even good things we grieve. Even if any any change we do some grief process so it's learning to be okay in your process mm -hmm. you know it's learning to be yes it is okay to be sad it is okay to be angry it's it's okay that my world right now it's it's messed up because I'm adjusting to a loss yeah and that is part of the work with grief which in therapy is more helping you normalize that and and walk with you walk with you in the grief process mm, yeah and i think i I've, I've told you this before like I, I think you do a very good job at listening to people and understanding where they're coming from and and uh before we were talk before we got on this on this like live podcast i know that my friend alice kind of reached out to you about like how can you um communicate effectively with people that are outside of your um, that are not Latinx like let's use it for example the African-American community uh, if there is someone out there listening right now that's like you know African-American black that thinks to themselves I don't think I can like go to a therapist unless they're black um, how do you personally or um, how do you personally are able to kind of like effectively you know help like Let's use, for example, black, you know, patients, clients that need therapy. Um, how do you? How are you able to make that connection yourself, just in general? And I know that's a very loaded question, because um, I know that, like, you know, you and I are Latinx, and and we have our own struggles, we have our own experiences. But I think ultimately, the title that you have is a therapist. Exactly. And that transcends different ethnicities it, it transcends different colors it transcends different uh like just faith practices 
um, how are you able to adapt to, to just anybody that, that needs your assistance? The first is understanding that, that I am, I, I have my own world, I have my own experiences, so I, I cannot assume that I know everyone's. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And that because I have knowledge or an education in this field, that doesn't make me be somebody else. Mm -hmm. But what I believe that it's the thing is you bring, you come to my space, to my office with a world, and my job is to try to understand that world and help you within that world. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, I might not be able to exactly know everything, but I, my goal is to be able to tell you, ask you questions about your world. Yeah. How does this work there? How, how, in your world, how do you relate? How is this interpreted or that? And then we work with that. And my job is not to take my world and put it in yours. Yeah. Uh, that, that's like, that means I would have to go and live with you, you know, mm-hmm. because I would be just trying to trans, you know, change that. No. And so I do my best to do that, mm. to understand how you see your world, how you experience it, how do you feel it, how does it work? And I start there. Mm. I start there. That's super important because I mean I've heard so many like experiences of folks that have gone to therapy and you know they have people that like don't take that initiative that they feel like they already know what's going on in a lot of these patients' world and unfortunately it turns them off from ever again getting therapy again. You know I. I speak to close relatives who have gone to therapy and and they have such horrible experiences. My, I, I, let's say the theories I work with and within the, men, the, the psychology field are very, tend to be very practical. It's a lot based on thinking and very kind of brief and quick and things like that. So that's why sometimes people go and then they're focused on this very specific issue. Does that make sense? And that feels that loses a certain connection. I have difficulty, me, and that's more my problem. I have difficulty adjusting to someone coming in and telling me something and then immediately saying, oh, just use this tool, this tool, this tool. Yeah. Uh, Because my brain, my own brain has to have a story has to have a whole understanding mm-hmm. does that make sense so mm-hmm. so if you come and say I'm struggling with eggs I'm gonna start I have to know where that X comes from in order for me to say oh this tool would be better than this other one and yeah. that is a personal style so it I take a long time like the first session is digging and digging and obviously mm-hmm. it depends on the comfort of the of the client if they don't feel comfortable we take as long as they want yeah to take but but the idea is i go and talk about their education and their family life and their childhood and and mm. it, how how did they work with this how did they do that 
because that helps me see the world I'm speaking of. So mm -hmm. I think that is, it's just different therapy styles. Yeah. And I use it just because it helped me understand so I can know what tools I'm going to give you. Mm. Because I, I'm not going to give you the same tools that I'm going to give yeah. you. And because it doesn't match. And I think, I think the fact that you acknowledge that is super important. Um, I feel like for people that like are not Latinx and are looking for a therapist, it's, imp it's important for the, for the person to realize that there, that there are therapists out there that understand that they don't know everything. They're learning, that they're not mm -hmm. specifically in that community, but they're able to kind of listen to the, to the people and understand how they can help them out. Um, so. For me specifically, that's why I've, I've always felt comfortable just to kind of like refer you to, like Marta, I refer you to everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much. And like I anytime, really appreciate it. So one time I posted on Facebook and I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm so blessed because I have a Latinx therapist. And I have like probably like eight or nine people that are like, what? A Latinx therapist? Like, give me her information. Like, I want to like reach out to her and I want to, I want to be able to get help directly from her. Um, and when you really think about it, that's like, in a way, a privilege to be able to have someone that like culturally understands you and is able to effectively help you out compared to going to another therapist that like, you know, like not to get too political, but like, it's like, if, if you're a person that believes in like immigration reform and all these different things that help out immigrants and you have a therapist that doesn't believe in that, like, it's tough to, to like listen yeah. to someone that doesn't have the same beliefs that you have or might not like understand where you're coming from and take their advice um, as legit advice. You know, so me personally, I know that, that you specifically have like a lot of patients that are my best friends, you know, <laughs> that I'm referred to. Uh, so I'm super appreciative of you being in, in the area and I know that you're in the in the building uh, of the Arkansas Immigrant Defense is where uh -huh, you're currently yes. at. Um, where can people reach out to you if they want to if they want to start getting your services? Where can they uh, initiate that conversation to start getting your services? Well, I'm just gonna give you my number. Um, just to clarify, I'm a private practitioner, so it's just me. I don't have a, a receptionist or anything. So you'll get me and the phone or the message mm. so it's four seven nine two eight two eight five zero zero and that my website it's www dot a new outlook dot net oh Ooh, i know that's a that's hard nice <laughs> but that's nice though that's <laughs> a, a, a new outlook dot net yeah a n e w o u t l l no, L-O-O-K dot net. Mm. It's just sometimes people have difficulty <coughs> finding it. So um, that's the places that you can reach me. You know, Psychology Today, you can put Marta Gonzalez in this area, and you'll find me. And Everybody, make sure you reach out to Marta. Uh, as someone who has never really thought about, like, going to therapy and... I don't have, I don't live with depression. I have anxiety, but I don't live with depression. 
or PTSD or anything like that, or schizophrenia, anything you can think of. Um, taking the time to have an hour with, with a professional who can advise you on different things that you might not feel are super important, but at the end of the day affect your everyday life, the way you think, the way that you function, is super important. And I know, I know a lot of people don't have insurance and I know a lot of people don't have resources, you know, but those that do, those that are able to kind of be able to, to go to therapy, I advise you to reach out to Marta. Um, and she's giving you her contact information, so please reach out. We'll put her contact information on the episode um, text as well. That way that you can see her phone number and her website. So um, please reach out. And please get help if you feel that like you need some sort of help with your mental illness with your just your mental state in general please reach out uh, therapy does make a big positive difference in your life if you are open to it so Marta thank you for your time no, I appreciate thank you. you being here thank you so much thank you for inviting me and I appreciate all the work you do you do an amazing job just this thank you all this podcast it's education it's connecting people and it's connecting the community so i really appreciate that and obviously i thank you so much for the referrals and for hey, having that we'll good recommendation <laughs> thank you so much because you're so good so that was episode <laughs> 111 of the district podcast um with therapist marta gonzalez michaelis please reach out to her you've heard her phone number you've heard her website um, she's doing a lot of good work, so it's important to support uh, Latinx therapists, but at the same time, you know, folks that are directly helping you and understand, you know, the cultural differences, the impact of, of uh, understanding, you know, like what you go through as a Latinx person and, and uh, just understanding in general, you know, the way your parents think goes a long way. So please reach out to Marta. She's doing a lot of good work and uh, she's my therapist and I need to schedule an appointment soon because it's been like six months since I've done a, a therapy a session and I, I tell myself like, I'm doing good. I, like, I, I can wait a few, a few more uh, weeks before I go to therapy, but I need it. So I'll be back to Marta soon. So make sure you reach out to her. That's the end of the episode. That's episode 111. Thanks for listening to the uh, Dictionary Podcast, specifically live on 99.9 FM Holland, and we'll be back next week. Thank you all for listening.